Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly Shonen Jump manga podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. Where every week we read the chapters of Shonen Jump released on viz.com, as well as something else. And this week we are reading No Game, No Life, the manga adaptation. But before that, we have Shonen Jump. And should we get into it, Kevin? Because it was a really good Shonen Jump. Yeah, this was really solid. I've been saying that the last couple of weeks because there were a couple of weeks I was down on it, but this one legit. The second one from my bottom on my rankings, I was like, man, this is this low? Yeah, I honestly, I felt the same way about the bottom of my rankings. I'm like, the only reason this is down here is because the other stuff is better, not because this deserves to be on the bottom. Exactly. Like, it's just there because everything else is above it. As weird as that ranking system sounds, a lot of the time I find myself kind of ranking from the bottom first. I didn't enjoy this chapter. I didn't really enjoy this chapter. This was a lot of like, no, all these ones just went ahead of it. And that's just the way it goes. I assume you didn't rank Hell's Paradise this week. I actually totally forgot to even check on it. It had a release, but it was just an illustration that said chapter will be out next week. Okay. But that's I, super cool because I normally read on my tablet and uh, it's not on the tablet. Gotcha. So now I feel silly. So it will actually be on my rankings because I'll just have to skip no, it. I didn't rank it either because it wasn't a chapter, but I almost put it at the bottom. I'm like, hey, something bad, a lack of a thing. But I did not rank it either. So shall we just get into it? Yeah, let's do it. As I'm currently editing my ranking. Like I said, I didn't rank it, so you don't have to. Anyway. First up, we have One Piece Chapter 937, Gyokimaro on Bandit's Bridge, which was another pretty good One Piece chapter, picking up pretty much where we left off last week with Zoro fighting Gyokimaru. I guess that's his name, yeah? Yeah, it sounds right. Meanwhile, it actually does start with Chopper and Big Mom, and he has promised her Oshikuro, which is like a Japanese dessert. Yes. Meanwhile, we cut to the prison where Luffy is beating up all the guards that are coming at him. And Queen's like, oh, that's fine. It just will make it more interesting when he loses. I have all this Oshikuro to eat while I wait, and I'm hoarding it all to myself. Don't worry about it. Yep, and Luffy is using this point to train a new technique that I'm. it's some other version of armor hockey that Rayleigh was using, where he was like, the first time Rayleigh used it, it looked like this, and he's trying to like figure it out. And here goes like, wait, you know Rayleigh? Who are you, kid? And I just love that Luffy was like, yeah, training time. I got a bunch of extra training partners. This is great. <laughs> yeah, I don't need no hyper- hyperbolic time chamber. I'll just get a prison. Yep. And then even Queen was like, I liked his analogy of uh, a good fight is like the plague. It needs numbers to be more interesting. It's like, wow. So meanwhile, Zoro is fighting Yukimaru with his two swords. And we get some of the history of Shushui. Mostly, I think it's to remind people slash inform people who weren't reading 15 goddamn years ago when the thriller bark arc was yeah when i was starting getting into one piece but basically zoro got his sword from a the ghost of a samurai pretty much yeah but this guy's like you couldn't have possibly gotten this sword legit because that guy's been dead forever and zoro's like i kind of did yep and there's this bit where he says that it was forged through that man's history of battle and zoro's like very interested in that he's like how literal are we being because i have a theory yeah, but we don't get to hear what the theory is, but he, like, starts to go it, so I was like, wait, the Black Blade was literally forged by, and I'm I'm really excited to see what else happens with the Black Blades, because that's always been something cool with Mihawk, who I think he had the first Black Blade that we ever encounter. I think you're right. I mean, I know he has the, because he's one of the first really powerful swordsmen 
that we encounter. And he doesn't actually use his black blade when we first meet him. He uses his tiny little necklace dagger. Except for to finish Zoro off. Yeah. So anyway, Yukimaru was like, it's not quite a sneak attack, but Zoro lets his guard down and he goes in. And Zoro's like, hey, you attacked when my guard was on. I was like, that's the only time I attack. Yeah. Well, and he let his guard down because, what's her name? I thought that was later because no. I thought it happened again when that happened. No, it happens. It happens when the she o- calls out for help. It's the Orient and Otoko o- from a couple yeah, of chapters. From a couple chapters ago, so they're not dead. They're being chased by a criminal who is, or I guess an assassin whose cover is that he's just a normal criminal. Yep. So Zoro jumps in to save them because he doesn't like watching kids get killed. Yep. And as soon as he does, the other guy sneak attacks him. Yes. And Zoro's just having this conversation with them. We're like, please help us, Mr. Samurai. I'll give you anything. He's like, well, how about a good meal and like a stiff drink? And she's like, done. <laughs> yeah, no sweat. Zoro's like, cool. And as soon as he like accepts the contract, the guy sneak attacks him again. Yeah, and he's like, hey, man, read the room. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, we were dueling to the death. He's like, I'll get to you later. I need to deal with this criminal assassin guy now. <laughs> yeah, and I, the jokes in this really worked for me yeah. in the way that they have been for you. Like, Zoro is usually the straight man, so when he's gets to joke around, it's always fun. It's pretty common, but. Yeah. Still. And I don't think I've ever read a Zoro chapter of One Piece other than his first appearance. Gotcha. Like, I've certainly seen the anime. I've seen Zoro episodes. But Yeah, I know what you mean. So it just works really well here. So the assassin dude has basically a scythe. I guess it's more like a sickle because it's not as Yeah, he's got bladed. two of them, I think. Yes, he definitely does. Yes. Because Zoro does the whole, the good old uh, take it in the shoulder and trap the weapon technique. Yes. So he disarms the dude by being stabbed in the shoulder when the other dude attacks him again. Yeah, I think it wasn't purposely taking it in the shoulder. He just turned that into his advantage because he had to dodge out of the spear attack by Gyokumaru. And then he ended up taking it in the shoulder. He's like, well, now I have hold of your weapon. Yeah. It's like, cool, I needed a third one anyway. And then he puts the sickle in his mouth. Yes. And it ends on him attacking with the Mouth Scythe Purgatory Onigiri. Yes. Which is pretty rad. Pretty good one piece. Yeah, really solid. I always love how, like, bloody Zoro chapters are, too. Yep. Like, how the tone just goes sort of, like, dark and Western. I guess more samurai movie. But yes. samurai movies and Westerns are the same thing, so. Yeah, I liked that. I liked the Orion reacting to the fact that he put the other blade in his mouth, and she's like, three swords? <laughs> yeah. That was good. So very good. And that leads us into another of our favorites, My Hero Academia, Chapter 221, Memento from All for One, which is kind of a pretty basic chapter. It picks up at the end of the last one with the doctor talking to them, and he uses one of All for One's quirks to teleport all of the society of villains there. Yeah, well, first he explains that, what's the big guy's name like? Gigantimaro, I believe. Yeah, something like that was super loyal to All for One, and he was actually really upset that he had, because he used to be his bodyguard, he's like, he hid him away as he was like thinking he was going to get yeah. yeah. Well, and as he was thinking he was going to get defeated by, or after he got defeated by All Might the first time. And so he plays a clip of All for One talking, and Gigantimaro kind of just like starts rubbing up against the radio like a cat almost because that's how much in love he was with all for one yeah so this is like i said kind of a pretty basic chapter he teleports them all to his base where he's got a bunch of new nomu yep presumably they're like the ones we saw end of her fight 
in the manga not too long ago. Like a story arc ago, though, I guess. So. Yeah. Uh, apparently, these are even better than those ones, though. I, I got the feeling that they're on that level, that like these are better than the ones they were using at the beginning of the series. But They definitely are, because he mentions low-grade and mid-grade, and that these ones are high-grade. And I think mid-grade might have been the ones that were attacking Endeavor. Okay. And so these might even be a grade above. Yeah, stronger than them. That was my feeling. They might be roughly the same, but I had a feeling that they're even stronger. Like, I haven't even unveiled my ultimate weapon kind of thing. Yeah. uh, And so the Doctor's basically like, yeah, I want to help you guys. But, like, All for One was, like, this big, huge deal. And Tomura, I don't really understand why he picked you as a successor. So before I help you, you need to, like, show me what you have. Yep. And it ends with, like, a close-up on Spinner that's like, I was just saying the same thing. Yeah, I, I really like that. Also, the doctor is specifically making sure nobody gets near him. Yeah, and he gives them a fake name. Yeah, but he tells them it's a fake name. Like, you yeah. can call me this for now. Yeah. Again, it's pretty good. But it is a transitory chapter. And like, I, while I really liked the last chapter, this one I kind of felt the same way you did. If I don't need to hang out with the League of Villains this much. Yeah. And... I liked it a bit more when you started putting it in the terms of them fireflying it around. It was like, oh, yeah, that does make a lot more like that is pretty cool. But this kind of was it was still a good chapter, but it was really just like, all right, Tomura, show me what you got. Yeah, That's it's set up for all. the next chapter. Yeah. And the next series we have is Chainsaw Man, Chapter 15, Endless Eighth Floor, which is also pretty all right. They pretty much deal with the devil from the cliffhanger of last episode immediately. Yep. And we find out that the command girl, whose name I wrote down, I think, I hope, please don't fail me past Jeremy. Nope, sure didn't. Aki's mentor, whose name I did not write down and should have. Eyepatch girl. Yeah. Her power is that she controls a ghost's right hand because she fed the ghost her eye. Yes. So she like grabs it out of the air. Yeah, and, and then power cuts it down. Yeah. And power's like, well, maybe I should kill you. And she's like, well, I just don't choke you to death. Yeah, and power can't deal with it. They try to go up to the ninth floor, but then they are on the eighth floor, and they're like, huh, that's weird. I swear we were just on the eighth floor. Yeah, well, it was like one guy goes up ahead of them, and then he comes back around. They're like, wait. Or no, that that was it. Sorry. You're right. They did they, all... They all go first, and they're like, uh, and he's like, hey, I'll, I'll go back down and check what the last floor was to see if yep. something weird's going on. And then he, when he runs down the stairs, he runs down right in front of them. Yes. And they're like, this is weird. So they start checking it out, and they're basically in a floor that runs on Pac-Man logic. Like they try to jump out the windows and they end up on the window in the room on the other side. Yep. Uh, they even at one point uh, bust through the ceiling. Like yeah. they pop one of the ceiling tiles and they just appear uh, like coming through the floor of the eighth floor. Yeah. So they kind of grew up and they're like, well, someone will come rescue us eventually. Right. But Aki's noticed that the clocks have all stopped. Yeah. They all read eight eighteen. So he's like, yeah, but maybe time has stopped. Yep. And they're all like, oh, no, we're going to die here. And we find out one of the people with them just was forced into this by her parents so they can put her older brother through college. Yep. Um, And then she's like, cool, time stopped, infinite sleep. I'm going to take a nap. You guys wake me up if you figure this out. <laughs> and he literally falls asleep. And that's the end chapter is Aki looking at him going, he, he actually fell asleep. <laughs> I really like the ending of that. Like. This wasn't a great chapter, but this was a really good chapter, I think. This is a cool, the infinite floor trap seems interesting because they're all like, the demon bullet isn't reacting anymore. Clearly, this was the demon's plan, so we need to figure this out. 
And I was like, this is a cool trap to, because normally Chainsaw Man has been, I'm going to hit it with chainsaws. Yeah. So this is this being an intellectual puzzle is pretty neat. A puzzle that you can't solve with chainsaws. Yes, unless he chainsaws through one of the walls and makes out. But anyway. But uh, then they just appear on the other side. Well, yeah, unless it's like they just made it so that all the... Yeah, either way. I just like that and then just the... Oh wait! So time has stopped. That means I can sleep forever. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go to sleep now. And he just literally falls asleep, and all of them are staring at him like I, he he fell asleep. Which leads us to Hellward and Higama, chapter thirteen, molten copper. Again, a pretty good chapter. Yeah, all things considered. And hey, the name's not awful. Yeah, as long as we don't get molten copper part two next week. Yeah, but it wasn't molten copper last week, so I'm holding out hope. So we find out that the copper demon who have we got a name for him yet? Yes, we did give him his name, but I just know him as the molten is like his tagline. Yeah, because the other one's Japanese. But yeah, they gave it to us last week. It was like it's this guy, the molten. Gotcha. So he apparently just kills all the people in Higuma's family when their kids turn ten, and then tries to Batman their kids so that they'll be a bigger challenge later. Yep. Then Higuma's like, "Hey, I'm only sixteen. I don't." even have a girl yet yeah why are you here so early and he's basically like well one of the other demons was gonna like mess with you and i figured up oh, better to kill you young than not kill you at all yeah he's like i can't have somebody else poaching my prey so ayaha gets teleported away and he's like hey go get help and she's like he'll be fine right he's definitely not gonna be fine what do i do yep meanwhile higama gets both his legs cut off uh, just one of them uh, by the end, I thought it was both of them. I I thought it was just one. He get it's one at a time. It's not. Yeah, I know. But he he, he but, lost his left arm. He lost his one of his legs, and then he grafts one of his hands like onto the knee where yep. it was. Yeah. yeah, one of the like zaju or whatever with the black binding, which I thought was a really cool thing of like I I need limbs, and I can make all of these extra hands appear. So why not? Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna cut off your. Your other arm last. Yes. Basically. Uh, and that's kind of all that happens in this chapter. We have a bit of Higuma realizing that this guy is enjoying toying with him. Oh, yeah. And he's like, I am not strong enough to beat him. But because he wants to toy with me, he might make a mistake. So I have to find an opportunity. Yeah. And what, what must have happened is my aunt must have tried to back away or run or not fight or something to that nature. And so he just w immediately went in for the kill at that point and that's probably why she lost yeah but because both she and my dad were stronger than me yeah as i am now so i need an opportunity yep. which is good strategizing and ayaha might get to do something so yep she's at least positioned to so yeah quite like this chapter of Hellwarden. feel like i'm moving through it quickly but it was a pretty quick chapter yeah though it was a lot of the battle sequences of him losing the arm he didn't just lose the arm he also like turned the there was still a bit of molten copper on what was left of his arm and he like started lancing that up through his arm saying those needles of molten copper will eventually reach your heart yeah and then that's when you'll die yeah and so the only way for you to stop that is to take my left arm or something yeah because it's if you take my arm he says if you take my arm i'll consider it a win for you and i'll back off well that's usually how he defeats the demons, is he takes their arms. That's so I'm, true. I'm guessing he I, might gain the copper powers if he takes his arm. That would make sense. I assume he needs both arms to defeat him, though. Probably. But this also seems like an enemy that will stick around, even if he's routed. Yeah, he might take his left arm 
and count that as a victory and be like, all right, I'm, I don't think this dude will kill you then. So I'll, I'll leave you be for now. Yeah. Although I also thought the crow demon was going to stick around and yeah. obviously that didn't happen. So that leads us to a chapter that's not all fighting, which is we never learn chapter 104, a little pale pink evokes memories of X. So this is a base, mostly a flashback to a chapter I didn't read, which made it yeah. not confusing exactly. I pretty I mean, much figured can, out what was, was going like, you on. Can, you can figure out what, what happened in that chapter. Yeah, it seems like an episode of an anime where they needed to save budget and so they wanted to do a bunch of flashbacks, but that's not how manga works. So. No, this was more of a, that was kind of a big conclusion to an arc. There was like a bunch of stuff going on. It was close to the summer festival and a, it was like, uh, even though it was a bunch of kind of one shots, they were all like crammed together in the summer festival and they all tied together. So the thing that happened was at one point, Yugiha got stuck in a Meowpolian, I think it was the... A mascot character. Yeah, a mascot character costume. Instead of, it was supposed to be his teacher, I think it was, but like he got stuck in it and was supposed to be on stage, or no, he was supposed to be teaching a class, ran away, ended up in a play that Furunashi was in where it's like a Romeo and Juliet situation and she has to kiss somebody and all of her friends were trying to get Yugiha to do it because they thought Furunashi liked him, so they're like, we're going to try and get them together, so we're going to make them kiss on stage. Which always works. If you're a teenager and you want to get with a girl, that always works. Yeah. And so neither of them, well, I mean, Yugiha knew that it was Furunashi, but she didn't know it was him. Like she just had, oh, I'll do it with Malpolian. You know, that way it won't be weird. It's through a costume. uh, It's through a costume, even though she did eventually get, she got really flustered by it. Yeah. Well, this one starts with her dad giving her some lipstick as a present. A birthday present specifically, which it sounds like she has never gotten since her mom died. Yeah. And he's like, but you're too young to be with a boy. Never mind that I got you this sexy gift. Yeah, he was like, well, this was your mom's favorite color. And it's like making your lips, the color is like irresistible lips or something (laughs) like that. And he was like, so she's looking at the box and he's like, you're too young for that. (laughs) Yeah. So she's like, man, my first kiss. Oh, you know, except for that one that definitely doesn't count. Yeah, it was through a costume and everything. I don't uh, even know who it was. And she's with, is this a character I've seen before? I feel like it is, but... Yeah, that's the maid senpai. Okay, that's what I thought. She just looked weird Yeah. To me. Anyway, she's studying with her at the library, and Yugi is supposed to be there, but hasn't shown up yet. Yep. And she's like, yeah, yeah, you know, you kissed Yugi that one time, right? Yeah, because she knew that Yugi was the one in the costume. Yeah. And then as soon as she says that, Yugi shows up. And she has to leave. Yeah, and so it's just super awkward. And then Yugiya like realizes she's being awkward but doesn't know why. And she finally excuses herself to go to the restroom to like try to compose herself. Yep. And he realizes that she was wearing lipstick and thinks it was some sort of weird test and that he didn't notice and well, she's, she's ma- mad at him. Yeah, she mentioned that before that's like you need to it's a psychological test for girls kind of thing of if they change their hair or get new list- lipstick or something like that, they generally want you to compliment them. But he was being his dense, oblivious self and was like, I don't notice those kinds of things. Yeah. So he was like, oh, no, I failed the test. She changed her lipstick and I didn't notice. Yeah. And so when she gets back, he tries to compliment her on it, but she's like wiped it off while yep. she was cleaning herself. And he like, he's like, I want to do it properly. And she thinks she's ta- uh, he's talking about the kiss. Yep. Uh, so, you know, shenanigans, shenanigans, shenanigans. Yep, I do love the bit where 
he's like, let's let let me do it right this time. And so she starts leaning in for the kiss and he takes out the lipstick <laughs> and, and puts, puts it, it on her. her and then is like, wow, you is that a new lipstick? It looks so good on you. And <laughs> yes. she's like, uh. <laughs> so it ends with them just like bowing and apologizing to each other because of the misunderstanding, which is kind of an anticlimactic ending. Yep. But it is pretty funny. I mean, uh, not the best we never learned chapter, but no. always a solid thing. Went pretty low this week, but again, that was because most of the stuff this week yeah, was, it was pretty good. It, was a, it wasn't a thing of we never learned wasn't good. It was that a lot of stuff was better. Speaking of, next we have Demon Slayer chapter 151, The Sound of Bells on a Snowy Moonlit Night, which we were talking again last week about the fight to analyze stuff mid-combat. Mm-hmm. This sort of way of doing that works much better for me. Yeah, Because we have a lot of flashback in here. And so that kind of, in comics time, it can feel like it's just a moment. And it doesn't feel like the fight has stopped so that he can consider it. So much as it yep. feels like he's working through all this stuff in his head. Uh, is any of this stuff stuff that we knew or is this all new information? All new information. Okay, that's what I thought. So Tanjiro's dad, it turns out, died of illness. Well, I mean, we did... We like, did know that? Okay. We know that about his dad, but I meant like all of his flashback yeah. were... It wasn't something that like we saw previous and he's like, oh, this is what it meant. So we knew his dad died because that's why he was kind of living by himself with some other orphans and his, well, I guess, no, it was some other orphans and his sister. But yeah, his dad died of illness. And so we flash back to his dad, like giving a speech about how the important thing when you're doing a dance, which I assume is also means the moves that they do is removing all the unnecessary components. Yeah. And just that gives you a whole much more energy because you're not doing a whole bunch of stuff that you don't need to be. Yeah, so that Dance of the Fire God turned out to be the battle style. That's that what was I like thought. the initial breath things, which he realized midway through the series. He was like, wait a minute, Dance of the Fire God? My dad used to do the Dance of the Fire God. I just thought that was some dance we did at the start of the new year that literally took all night. So anyway, there's a bear out in the mountains that's attacking families because, you know. Yep. Comics. So they put out a whole bunch of bells so they'll hear it approach. Yeah. And of course it comes near them and his dad just grabs an a- axe and goes out to face it. Yep. And he's like, hey, don't come any closer because I don't want to kill you. But if you do anything to threaten my family, I will. Well, and also he noticed it before it even got to the bells. That's true. It didn't set off the bells yet. That's true. So the bear sets off the bells, comes to attack, and his dad chops off its head in two motions so quick Tanjiro can't even see it. Yeah. He, it was like, his dad afterwards his dad told him remember this yeah and so tanjiro was like i was so young i thought he took it off in one blow but now thinking about it there's no way he could have cut through the neck with an axe that small in one strike so he must have done two strikes in a single second and also there was no killing intent yeah he was like my dad was completely calm throughout the whole event which was really weird Uh uh-huh and so that's pretty much where we end. Oh, I guess we see Tanjiro being able to see what they call the transparent world. Is that new or is that? That's that's brand new, yeah. Okay. Because that, that's what it, his dad was talking about. It did seem to have a new quality to it to me. I just wasn't sure if this is brand new or if this is something he'd been trying to do. Yeah. So, well, he'd been trying to do it throughout the fight, but not necessarily the transparent world thing. But but trying to of, achieve this effect. Yes. So he he's like, that's how I was able to dodge that guy's last attack was... For just a second, I emptied my mind, and so because my mind was empty, he couldn't sense where I was going next, so he was just kind of throwing a punch at me rather than hitting me. Yeah. 
and I really like the way it's drawn too. It almost looks not like mannequins, but like unfinished drawings. Like you'll do the shapes. Yeah. Only it's a lot more polished than that. As yeah. a real cool look to it. So I actually really like this chapter of Demon Slayer in contrast to last week. Yeah, this was really cool. I liked the flashback. This is going to be a fun turn for the fight because he's developed a new move or a new way of seeing things, which is cool. All right, so that brings us to the last Sayuki, speaking of seeing things, chapter four, friends. So I actually, again, really like this chapter. This was really good, yeah. It's very setup-y, but it also just reveals a ton of character information and has a bunch of relationship stuff. Yep. So anyway, Ryanosuke's dad's like, hey, so we have to tell, keep this completely secret as much as we can. When you snuck out the other day, did you tell anyone? He was like, no. Wait. Oh, no. I didn't tell this one guy. I did tell Shige. Who, like, we get He's the, my best friend. Yeah. And uh, his dad's like, well, Shige probably wouldn't tell anybody, but we have to make sure. Yep. So invite him over. Well, no, he's like, so we have to we have to make sure. Well, he says we have to take care of him. Yes, that's it. <laughs> and Ryunosuke's like, what do you mean by that? Because you're very Machiavellian. It's like, no, I just mean it meant invite him over. Why do you know such big words? Yep. <laughs> but I was like, I, I could totally see Ryunosuke's point of his dad being like, we're going to have to take care of him. Are you going to ask me to get a shovel next? So he calls Shige's mom and Shige's mom's like, oh, yeah, no, sorry. Shige went to baseball camp. Yeah. And he's like, oh, crap. He did say he was going. Yep. So they have to wait until after he gets back. And so he's talking with, uh, what's her name? I wrote it down. Koharu. Yep. And he's like, hey, yeah, Shige is my best friend. Like, And like, it's one thing we have to hide you. I understand that, but we can't do it forever because eventually you'll need to make friends. Yep. And she's like, I don't think I can make any friends. Yeah. I just cause trouble for everyone. Yeah. And there's this really sweet moment where it's like, no, you helped me out in the shed. So I, I know you're super kind. And like friends are just people who help each other. Well, and I also like she was like, I just make trouble for everyone. He was like, I wet the bed and dad had to. <laughs> yeah. Dad had to clean the sheets for me. Like we all make trouble for each other. Yeah. Sometimes there's literally no one who does not make trouble for someone else. Yes. And he talks about how Shige was his first friend and they would always just go play catch because they were both fans of the same baseball team. Yep. And when his mom died, everybody kind of either kept their distance from him or just treated him super, super nicely. Except Shige, who just played catch with him. Yeah. So he was like, because of Shige, I was finally able to deal with my mom's death. I was kind of like avoiding it. And then so we see in the background scenes, like they're starting to play catch. And then Ryunosuke just like collapses to the ground crying. And Shige helps him through it, which I thought was really nice. Yeah, it's a very strong moment. Yeah. So then we cut to a couple of days later, and Shige's coming over with his mom. Yeah. And they're like, huh, you brought your mom? Why is there a big, weird, floating, giant egg behind you? It's actually, <laughs> it, it was his box. The, the Yeah, move. I know. Yeah. I know, but I was just being the... I gotcha. Being fi- I was telling the uh, listeners the who may listeners, not have read it that yeah. it was there. And she's like, yeah, it's weird. Shige wanted me to walk him here because he's scared, even though... He comes here all the time. Yeah. Well, and I guess I'll describe it a little bit more. The So we actually see both of their Moo boxes. So Shige's mom is this kind of basically invisible box with this tiny little spot of black in it. And Shige's box is bursting at the seams. Like it literally looks like it's going to explode. It's filled with blackness. Like there's literally seams in it. It's like kind of pulsing out of it. It looks so... 
Ryosuke is immediately like, we need to worry about that, right? And his dad's like, yep, we need to worry about that. <laughs> He's like, hey, uh, well, I'm the baseball camp. He's like, well, there was this new kid, um, and he told the story of Nuri Hirion, which yeah. I had to look up. I'm guessing it's a horror story. Yeah, it's like a yoga. Here's the thing. It's like this weird looking old man who just like goes into your house when you're not there and plays with your things. Like, it's a yokai, but it's one of the least threatening yokai stories I've ever read. Yeah, but... I mean, it's still scary, but, like, it, it's just a weird choice, I feel. It's also, specifically, it's probably more scary to, like, elementary schoolers. That's true. That's fair. It's like an entry-level horror story, yeah. so that seems like... And it sounds like the kid who was at the baseball camp is the... Yeah, the guy from the end of the previous chapter. Yeah, so it's like, he mentioned that I have to gaslight them for a while, yeah. so he probably had to... You can't just full-blow make it sound super scary probably because kids won't get it yeah I, like, i'm just think it's a story it's just a weird choice to me yeah the specific one i really like all the elements of it don't get me wrong yeah and so he's like yeah it's just the way he told it i've heard the story before like it's in video games and stuff but yeah the way he told it made just made it for whatever reason, seem really scary. And then Ryunosuke's dad does the super awkward thing of like, okay, hang out here for a minute. I need to talk to everyone else alone without you. Yes. <laughs> and it, he's basically like, yeah, yeah, we need to deal with this. Like, his fear is going to burst, and like, the only way to do this safely is to open his moo and then kill the monster. Yep. So, uh, Koharu, you need to use your power to help him. Yeah. Which and is also very good. Like yes. thematically, just like this thing you think is awful, actually we can use to help people. Yeah, we need to we need to use your power to save this person. We need to do a controlled burn. Yes. So yeah, really, really liked the last Sayuki this yeah, week. Yeah, super solid. We're gonna keep reading it every week, I think, right? Yeah, we, that's we, we're gonna that's definitely the way this, this one this one is really nice. Yeah. Speaking of really nice, that leads us to our mutual number one two weeks in a row. Will it be three? Find out in our jump card segment. The Promised Neverland chapter 128, I've decided. Yeah, so... Uh, did you not like this chapter? No, this, no. You, this, you just had sorry. a pause, so... I thought you were going to go with something. I, I did really like this chapter. I do. I love how it starts with Emma's just, like, immediately got a plan that she lays out for Norman. Yes. And I really like, again, that she has all this information he doesn't. And for someone who came into this series in the middle of it, uh, there's actually this really cool, because I didn't know she knew all this. So it comes out as these two super smart people just laying all their cards on the table yep, and having this kind of intellectual battle. It works really, really well, even though I assume this is mostly stuff you knew. Yeah, we knew uh, we knew they had found seven walls. At one point, they spent a year, like six of them were disguised as demons wandering around trying to find information about it. And so that's why they know more than probably Norman did is because I'm guessing Norman and not even Minerva went out into the demon worlds to like ask demons about stuff. Yeah. So Emma wants to basically have the pretty basic plan of, we'll feed all the demons, the cursed blood. So they don't have to eat humans. We'll bust out the farms. Like you want, we'll kill the Royal family. Cause they seem like assholes. And yep. I'm fine with that part of the plan. Yep. And then we will escape through the seven walls to the human world. And Norman's like, we don't even know where the seven walls are. And he's like, yes, I do. Yeah, which was pretty great. He's like, come on, that's just a fairy tale. She's like, I know where it is. What? <laughs> and he's like, but I don't know how you get through and come back. I know you can, but I also know it's only been recorded once. So it's probably pretty difficult. Well, yeah, because she's and she doesn't specifically lay it out like that. She's like, if I can make a new promise and if I can make it back 
will you agree to stop the will genocide? Will you promise to? Yeah. And he's you... like, I will not promise. Well, first off, he's like, what do you mean if you can come back? Oh, yeah, that's true. He's like, well, only one person has. So I know you can be done because one person did it. Yep. And he's basically like, well, I'm not going to stop my plan. But if you do all that and you come back with more information, I will consider what you tell me. Yep. Yeah. And Ray's like, and of course, I'm going with her. Yeah. And there is, like you were speculating last week, that flashback to the start of the series. Yep. And their plan there. And Emma brings up the point of, like, if we'd acted tactically there, we wouldn't all be here now. So, like, you are correct from a tactical, this is our best chance situation. Yeah. But you're not necessarily right from, like, a moral. Yeah. The statistics say this is the safest option. But if we had picked the safest option, we would have stayed and died like mom told us to. Yeah. Like, we do need to take risks. And the chapter ends with Norman kind of getting this look on his eyes like, maybe I need to accelerate my plans or something like that. Like, he's worried about Emma and Emma and Ray being, all right, after we do this, we need to never leave him alone again because he keeps doing these crazy things when he's alone. Yeah, and Emma's like, I will not let him commit genocide. But, like, it comes off as very, like, I'm not going to let my friend have that burden rather than yeah, it's not not going to let that happen. Yeah, it's I'm not going to make him commit genocide. Or, like, I'm not going to let him feel like he needs to do it yeah. kind of thing. I'm not going to leave him alone. So, yeah, very strong chapter of yep. The Promised Neverland. As Like I said, it's been very on the top of the game lately. Mm-hmm. So next we have Yui Kamiyo Let's Loose Chapter 3, A Sparkly Visitor. And, hey, Kevin, I like this chapter of Yui Kamiyo. Did you? Because I didn't. Yeah, really? Okay. I didn't love it. It's still pretty low on my list. But I was like, oh, man, can we have this manga every week? I could use another one that's just some funny goofs all the time. It just, it didn't seem that funny to me. Gotcha. The jokes in this really worked for me. It was amazing. So, I mean, it starts out with basically Yui's friend goes up to protagonist guy, whose name I don't know, because I do not super care for this series. And she's like, Yeah, I need you to help me keep Yui's hair bound. Here, it's bound with the chains that bound Son Goku. And he's like, Why do you have that? Here, I have 12 spares, so you can have six of them. Yes. And Kevin's smiling, so that must have at least worked a little bit. It worked a little bit, but it was just, it felt very stupid of like, and it wasn't just, oh yeah, this was made with some of the metal. It was like, <laughs> this was the chain that bound Son Goku. I have 13 of them. <laughs> Why? <laughs> that's. The, I feel like that's the joke. I probably yeah. is, but it just... Uh, and then this is a super minor one, but we cut to him in class, like kind of moping about the situation. And then there's just a kid in the background, like, why does he get to sit in a gaming chair while we're all in these? That was pretty good. He, he is in like a razor gaming <laughs> chair in class. That was pretty good. And so then this girl appears, very Ranma esque, and she's like, hey, I'm looking for Yui Kamio. And she's just like this fashionable girl who seems to be streaming her walking around. I think she was uh, posting to Instagram. Or I think she like was, that. but it just, it's like very, comes off as this like social media person. Yeah, because the main character hot dude goes out to her and. And she's, she's like, ooh, a hottie. She's, she's, well, she's <laughs> just taking pictures with him. And then she looks down and she's like, what? How much does that jacket cost? Because like one of her followers or something like that comments like, hey, do you know how much, you know, that guy's wearing some like $2,000 jacket. Yeah, and I think that's why I assumed live streaming because she might have been like yeah. an Instagram comment takes a minute to yeah. get there. But if you're watching a stream, um, anyway, she's doing something and she is like, "Yeah, I'm looking for you, Kimmy." He's like, "Like," and she's like, "It's like I can never forgive her, you know." I, something about her Valley Girl like, yeah, aesthetic combined with her like wanting to beat up this 
Yakuza murderer. That's not what she actually is. Yeah. Like I said, it just worked for me. And her backstory of like seven years ago, I was a karate genius and I had six boyfriends. And again, a lot of it is the art of her with just like this harem of boys around her. Yeah. And even the main character is like, that's not how boyfriends work. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, I was in this karate tournament. I had sponsors. I was doing a commercial and she punched me and I lost everything. Yep. And again, it, it's, I guess it's just, it's super vapid. And that's always funny to me. I guess. In a way that, like, it's the same reason I can't sympathize with the main character because he's an asshole. But yeah. once you make that person the villain, yeah, I can enjoy it, especially if they take it super seriously. And then, like, it's the rest of it is just him, like, giving her a tour and trying to avoid Yui. Yeah, but then even white-haired Yui. Yes. But then, of course, at the end, she runs into her and she's like, why do you have a chain in your hair? It looks awful. Here, take this ribbon. Well, and there's actually this really confusing panel with Yui's friend wearing, like, a helmet of some sort and then falling over like she's asleep or something. I got super confused because, like, she was there with them. And she's like, oh, this chain looks stupid. Let me give you a ribbon. And then the main guy's trying to, like, get her back into white mode or whatever because, like, this is what lost me. I was like, why did her friend fall over? I I just I got I took that as that. like a comedy plot. Maybe. But I I can definitely see you being confused by it. So then Angela she's like you're the black-haired you who's just suddenly there cuz the chain's gone. I'm like, "Hey, aren't you that karate girl I beat up that one time?" Yep. And again, it's not my favorite. I think we're not going to continue to read this, but I like the, like if it had been this good for 3 chapters, I would have a much more favorable view of it. Maybe. Maybe I was just I kind of went into it being like I thought this was going for drama, and now it's being silly, and now I'm a little confused. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely got a Ranma vibe, and I have seen no reason to read this when Ranma one half exists. But yeah, if it can be this every week, it'll at least like rank decently for me. I got you. Which leads us to our last chapter for the week: Food Wars, Chapter Three Hundred Four, The Curse of the Divine Tongue. What did you think of this chapter of Food Wars, Kevin? Since I was pretty much taking the lead on Yui Kamiya. That's fine. This was pretty transitory. It's setting up. So uh, I guess this is technically spoilers, although we were all expecting it. The next big match is going to be Soma versus Saiba. Yeah, and it starts with Soma being like, hey, uh, you're in my trap already. Just a couple more rounds and it's you and me again. Yeah. And then uh, by the end of it, it's like, next up is semifinal match Soma versus uh, Iba, and it's good that they're accelerating, but it is kind of a sudden acceleration. Yeah, but I mean... We don't need to see Soma beat a bunch of grunts, so... Well, yeah, and I was like, besides Soma, everyone else, because they show that, like, Arena's on the other side of a bracket, because apparently it's like a four-way bracket. Yeah. Arena's on, like, the other side of the bracket, so Saiba and Soma are the only people who we know that are actually in, still in the tournament. Yeah. So, like, we could see Soma beating up a bunch of grunts, but... Who cares? Yeah. So then we have, and I did actually really like this bit. So we have uh, Arena tells both Soma and Totokoro about her bet to marry Saiba if he beats her. Yeah, and I do love how Totokoro like freaks out about it. And he's like, yeah. oh, that's why you're so stressed. And Soma's like, yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I kind of have this fear deep down that maybe he should win. Yeah, it's like, because I kind of want you to lose Soma because maybe he's right. Yeah, because even if I do manage to beat him, my mom has the my mom has the same power as me. So I 
I won't be able to save her, so she'll just see it as a failing of everything. Yeah, and there's, I think, a real deep implication that she's afraid that's going to happen to her, too. Yeah. Because we see a bunch of flashbacks to, like, her mom just trying to eat stuff, but she just can't stomach anything. Yeah, she was, she said mom would even faint at the sight of, or at the smell of weak broth. Like, she would uh, start retching because she was just done with it food in general and we get some other people talking about how the world in general views the divine tongue as a a blessing or no this is saiba and one of his flunkies yeah yunusuke yep the world views the divine tongue as a blessing but the divine tongue only comes to the nakiri family which is why they've been so prominent in japanese cuisine and the cuisine world in general and they view it as a curse because all of the divine tongue users eventually end up committing suicide because they just get done with food. Yeah. Which makes sense. If, if you have that level of taste, eventually everything tastes like ash. And when you're a person who's devoted yourself to food and can't basically taste anything anymore, you're not going to do well. Yeah. I really like, like I said, Soma's kind of not dismissive of Arena, but he basically goes like, ah, sounds like your problem sucks. I'm going to go take a nap. And Totokuro kind of chases him out and yeah. is like, hey, like, Shouldn't you say something more to her? And he's like, well, like, it's not my problem. I can't. Yeah, I'm not really. Part of her, I'm not part of her family. Yeah. And also, like, the divine tongue must really suck because, like, whenever she tastes anything of mine, she just knows every little problem and can just, like, keep mouthing off about it. But, like, when it comes to saying what she actually wants to say, she just can't do it. Yep. Which I, I really like Soma's insight on that, too. And I, yeah. I like how it's contrasted against uh, Saiba's, even though they're coming to basically the same point. Yeah. And like I said, it seemed a little fast to accelerate to the semifinals. Again, I'm fine with it. I agree with you. But after we introduced this new flunky for Saiba, I was expecting Soma or Arena to have to go through him. I don't think he's a chef. That could be. Because it sounded like he was an information broker of some kind. Because he was like, hey, thanks for finding out all that information about this. I stuff. just assume everyone in this series is a chef. I assume he cooks information out of people. Um, maybe that's <laughs> the case. But it just... He might not be a chef. That's at all. a fair point. And I do really like that this ends up the cliffhanger here is they're about to go. And someone's like, hey, I think I can beat you this time. But even if I can't, you may, you can't make Erin happy. So, yeah, you're not going to be the one who makes her happy. Yeah. And part of me is thinking this is going to lead to because they mention at one point that Soma doesn't have a freakish talent. Yeah. And way back at the start of the series and you will have. You probably would have remembered this because this was in the anime, too, that his dad said the secret to good cooking is finding a woman you love and making yeah. her happy. Yeah. And I think that's going to be his freakish talent. I think Saiba's kind of in the... I, that's why Saiba wants Aaron it, too. I think it even came up. Because he would have gotten the same advice, one presumes. Although Possibly. he also couldn't understand why his dad left for a girl, so... Yeah. Although so, it was for his son, because the girl was dead. Yeah, but I do under so I think that's going to be his freakish talent. Like he's going to that's how someone's gonna realize that's how he beats him. Could be. Hey Erina, come taste this. I mean that's how spoilers for I'm not gonna spoil that because I know at least one listener hasn't seen that yet. But I do sure love how that uh last arc wrapped up. Yeah. Alright, so shall we get into the jump card then? Yeah, let's do it.
Jump Card is the segment where we rank all the chapters from the week from our least favorite up to our favorite. Uh, we might have a fair bit of difference this week just because we liked everything so much. Yeah, so totally sh- possible. All right. So what do you have at number 16, Kevin? I have Yui Kamiya at number 16. Yeah. Like I said, I just I didn't like this chapter. I mean, I did way more than the previous ones, so it went up a little higher for me. I have Jujutsu Kaisen at number 16 because I found this chapter really confusing. I think in an anime, if there was like the music would tell me how to feel about the scene and I'd understand it better because I couldn't tell if we were cutting to a bunch of fights or if this was supposed to be showing that they were triumphing everywhere. We were cutting to the triumphs of a bunch of fights that happened before you started reading Jujutsu Kaisen. Yeah. So that's how long this like thing I said, has been going. So like anime music, like if the Final Fantasy slash Naruto victory theme was yep. playing over this, so it would have played a lot better, I think. But yeah. the other big thing was that guy I thought was the dude who can't control people with his voices was actually Gojo. I think it's Gojo Sensei or Goro Sensei, something like that. He normally wears a blindfold, which is why I didn't immediately recognize him. He has the ability to like see ridiculously well, so that's why he wears the blindfold to kind of cut back on the amount of stuff that he sees. So he was the super powerful dude that they erected the barrier to keep out. Gotcha. And event the barrier broke down, so he broke in and he didn't win all of the fights, but he went around like, all right, I'll win this fight. This one's going okay, and I'll win this fight, and then I'll help out in this one just to make it end faster. Gotcha. Like I said, I just this is the one series that I yep. feel lost in. So that's yeah. at my bottom. It was the same way with me until I got caught up because it wasn't that much to read. And I do actually really like it. So I thought this wasn't like the best chapter of Jujutsu Kaisen, but this was pretty cool with him just going around being like, oh, hey, your barrier fell down. Looks like you guys ran out of time. Let me go fix everything. What do you have at number 15, Kevin? I have Haikyuu at number 15. Because... I did kind of like the, so we get a little backstory on one of the characters who I'm not going to try and bother learning their names at this point. He's the short guy with, I'm assuming, blonde hair. I think he's the main character. Maybe he is. And so it's like his brother was super tall. His dad was super tall, but he's super short. And so he's always felt outclassed by his brother in any kind of sports. So he's like, oh, my brother did basketball, but I suck at it because I'm super short. So then I got into volleyball and my brother ended up being like a lot better at volleyball because he was also like ridiculously tall, not just like kind of tall. It's like he's in middle school and is like six, five or something like that. So we get a little backstory on he has put in a ton of work to get where he is. Like the secret is not about physical ability because eventually everyone reaches the point where they're at their peak physical ability. So it's more about kind of the training and the mental process like he has put in a ton more work so at one point he does a perfect rebound where the ball's gonna go out of their side of the court he reaches over flicks it all the way to the other side of their court perfectly set up for one of his dudes to spike it for a point and even the guy who uh, did the spike was like man that throw was perfect and there's kind of like a little bit of enmity between them even though they're teammates he's like i don't want to admit that this guy is so good kind of thing yeah you pretty much went all over iq that's about all i have to say about it as well so in contrast my number 15 is chainsaw man because like i said i thought everything this week was really good yeah but chainsaw man was the one that i felt like didn't have any emotional component to that it didn't 
Chainsaw Man isn't much higher on mine. I just really liked the joke of Denji falling asleep at the end. Like, oh, sweet. There's no time anymore. That means I can, I don't have to wake up. Or I don't have to wake up early and just goes to bed, like literally in the middle of a crisis. Yeah. Uh, it's just like the reason that bottomed out for me was because it didn't have anything emotional like, about it. Yeah. Yes. Whereas Haikyuu did. Yeah. And like I said before, I'm I'm not a huge fan of Haikyuu's art style. Yeah. So that always tends to drive it down just a little bit. Like, like I said, I did actually like the bits about the main character. It was just, I always get, not weirded out by it, but it's just, it's not my favorite art style. So my number 14 was Dr. Stone, because this was still kind of just an average chapter of Dr. Stone, and that just brought it down because of that. Yeah, same here. Dr. Stone is my number 14 as well. There was a little emotion from the reporter, um, so it got a little bit higher. Yeah, and and they, they built their ship finally. It took them an entire year. So I guess we time skipped a year. We do see a montage of it. Yeah, we see a montage of them doing stuff. And that was kind of neat with the montage was done through the photographer taking pictures of everybody. And they had a kind of running gag that, is it Kohaku? Uh, Yeah, I believe so. The really fast athletic girl is moving so fast that she appears as a ghost in all of the pictures because she doesn't have high exposure or like the ability to take high speed photos. So... Everyone else looks normal, but she's moving so quickly, she looks like a ghost. And at one point, Gen is like, I guess Kohaku's just the person, the ghost that's going to be haunting all of these photos. Yeah. What do you have at number 13? I have Neolation at number 13. So I did actually really like this chapter of Neolation because Neo doesn't do anything. Yeah, it turns out all you need to do to make this series is make Neo a baby who doesn't know how to hack yet. And it becomes really good. I I have this much higher than you. Just putting my cards on the table. But... So we find out that Neo was always a really smart kid. He liked math. Like we see him doing math in the sand at the playground. And some of the other kids are like, what are you doing math? We do that in elementary school. Why aren't you here to play? He's like, but I I like doing math. And as he's walking home, he sees a package of like cleaning cloth or something like that fall to the street. And he looks up and see there's an open window. And so he takes it to the house. Is like, hey, this looks like it fell out the window. And he meets with this girl who's there, who's apparently kind of shut in because she's weak. Yeah, she was really sick and she's recently gotten like better, but she's not like better, better. Yeah, she's just so not she like can't, bedridden anymore. Yeah, she can't go outside or anything like that. And she like convince she's like, it's OK, because with my laptop, I can like look anywhere I want and I can like pretend I go outside. Yeah. And I have this telescope so I can see all the kids playing. And like she gets Neo to Google a bunch of stuff for her because she doesn't know kanji very yep. well. And he does because he's smart. Yeah. And he's like, I do a little bit, but the autocomplete really helps. Yeah. Like I'm not perfect at it, but the computer is smart enough to that we can figure out things. Yeah. And so she's like, hey, will you take this old laptop we have? We just replaced it. And that way you can like get on the internet and we can hang out whenever we want. Yep. And he's like, well, yeah, I guess. But I'd also like to like come over for play dates and stuff if that's okay. Yeah, I was like, we can hang out in the real world, too. Yeah. And his mom's like, yeah, that'll be fine. I, yep. know, I live kind of close by. Like, I'm within the same neighborhood. It's not like I live in the next state. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, I, I was going to give you that laptop all along. He's like, all along, did you drop those cleaning cloths on purpose? Like, no, no, a naughty girl would do that, and she'd get in trouble. I definitely did not do that on purpose. Yep. And I just really like this cute little relationship. That girl is 300% dead. 
Yeah. And so there's it definitely should lose some points for tugging at my heartstrings like that and setting stuff up. But I did really like it. And I like you see she's like, maybe you're really smart, Neo. So maybe you could do something really cool with the computer. And we see that's how Neo gets like super into programming. Yeah. And that's trying to impress this girl. That's how he also gets his name. Neo. Yeah. He's like trying to come up with a username. And so he's like, oh, I got to do it in English characters. And so at first he goes one. Well, no, maybe maybe I'll make the O a zero, and then he like moves it around so it's any zero. Yeah, yeah. So I did like it. I probably could have ranked it a little bit more, but it's always that. Oh, it's another chapter Neolation. It was like this was actually pretty good, and so I I still kind of just felt it went down, not because I didn't like it, but it was just kind of down there because it's Neolation. My thirteen was Act Age. I again I liked everything in this weeks shonen jump yeah uh but the emotional content here was pretty weak it seemed like it is kind of retreading some ground we've already seen i did like the chapter but it just didn't do anything special for me so my number 12 was black clover mainly just because it felt like this chapter didn't do a whole lot even though it was still pretty good so we have they managed to hurt the devil a little bit but he just says heal and his wound heals he's like (laughs) yeah you actually managed to injure me we get a little backstory into the way you create a black grimoire is to essentially corrupt the holder of a four leaf grimoire. Yeah. Like if you make them feel all utter despair, it'll grow a fifth leaf and they'll turn into it'll like grow a devil. Yeah. Which is a bit I really liked. So yeah. I put Black Clover a bit higher. And like it turns him into a dark elf. Yes. And the devil's like, Well, I don't got time to hang out with you guys. I'm out of here. Yeah, because I he corrupted the one elf, uh made the a black grimoire and then took that black grimoire so he doesn't have to steal Asta's. And then he does hint that there's actually a devil like controlling Asta or, or at least in Asta. his book. Yeah. Yeah. There's a devil in his book and he's like, Hey, if you don't take control of that body, uh, you're going to die here w- along with it. Yeah. But, and Asta's like, Hey, you aren't getting out of there that easy. Hey, dark elf guy. I know you hate us, but hate him more, please. Yes. And I, I just, I get it went higher for me because Asta trying to friendship his way out of this problem. That's shown in anime as hell. And yeah. that's what I'm here for. Yeah. My number 12 is Yui Kamiyo. Cause again, I thought it was pretty funny. Still didn't go super high, but it went right under another series. I thought was pretty funny. So what do you have at 11? I have Jujutsu Kaisen at 11. Because like I said, I like this a little bit more, but it's just kind of the Gojo Sensei saves the day thing. So we get a lot of resolution of some of the fights that have been going on, but nothing really big happened in it. Like we didn't get a a really big reveal. So it was it was some cool stuff. We see a bit more of we've seen how strong Gojo Sensei is, but this is like another level of that strength where he creates this huge trench in the ground with the main character was fighting the plant monster and the guy he was with was like, man, that guy's ridiculously powerful. I can't even tell if he exercised the demon or not or the cursed spirit or not. Like just everything is gone. So my number 11 was we never learn because for pretty much the reasons we talked about, it felt not fillery, but more standard than normal. And everything was really good this week. So even though it was good, it goes pretty low. I think it's the lowest I've ever ranked. We never learn. Yeah. So my number 10 was Hellwarden. I did like this one, so it's just it's still just kind of down there just because a lot of the, like you said, a lot of these chapters were really good, so it's just kind of hard to rank things. Yeah, and in Hell Warden, the art's still not great. It's better yeah. than it was last week. There wasn't anything really confusing, but when you're in an all-fight scene, some of the art being muddy doesn't help. 
Yeah. And also, like, we have a setup for Ayaha maybe doing something, but we didn't get, even get a hint of what that might be. Yeah, I assume so, she's going to, like, get his cousin or something. Yeah, but... something's going to happen probably, but we don't. We didn't even get a hint of it, so that kind of lost it for me. Although I did like the, uh, oh, you took my leg, I'm just going to graft my arms onto my onto the stumps of my legs and run at you that way. Yeah. My number 10 is Haikyuu. It was, in a lot of ways, my barometer for this week, because I really like the emotional stuff. We talked about that with the flashback. Yep. So that was very much my, like I said, Chainsaw Man was low because it didn't feel like it had anything emotional, but everything above Haikyuu had something I quite liked in that regard. Gotcha. So my number nine was We Never Learn, because... I thought it was a bit funnier because I knew more about, like, I know you were able to figure out what the event was, but I knew a bit more about it. And so I knew how, like, Yugi knew, obviously, because he was in the costume, but he had, like, vowed to never mention it again. Like, when he's bowing down to Furunashi, he's like, I swore, I swear I was going to take it to my grave. And I just thought it was funny, but yeah. it ends up down there. My number nine is Hell Warden. We just talked about it. Yep. So my number eight was Chainsaw Man. Like I said, I liked the intellectual puzzle that they're in where the you cannot chain, chainsaw your way out of this infinite eighth floor trap. And the fact that Denji is just like, oh, yeah, well, I guess I'll just go to sleep then. Wake me, wake me up when you figure it out. I do like the joke, but like we've said before, I'm getting a little tired of how base Denji is. That is his character. But yeah. and this is at least a different way of showing that. But I think it's a well they go to too often. Yeah, I'm hoping he will start growing up more because essentially he's been an orphan. So even though he's physically mature, he's not emotionally mature. So I'm hoping he'll grow more during the series. Yeah. My number eight is My Hero Academia because there's a very transitiony chapter. There are bits of it I like. The end with Spinner, I really like it. I am excited to see where it's going. But it was, you know, just transitiony. Yeah. You can't get an episode of anime out of this. I'm reordering my ranking system on the fly here. I've done that before. I'll make my hero my number seven because it is really transitioning and talking about some of the other chapters kind of made me put them in more esteem than I had when I was making the ranking. All right. All right. Is that all you have to say? I guess we did just talk about it. Yeah. Like, so my number seven is black clover. Like I said before, asked to tries to friendship his way out of this problem. And that's great, but there's a lot of other good stuff here. So yeah. it goes in the middle of this. Yep. So my number six was act age. I guess I just liked the, this stuff kind of better. And Act Age is really the one that I'm like, really? I'm putting that one that low? Yeah. Because I did like it, but... Yeah, so I really liked that... I honestly really liked that when Kay was like, hey, we need your help doing this thing. Like, apparently, she's gotten a bunch of press, so now all these people are trying to swarm onto her, and she's like, we're just trying to shoot this... We're just trying to shoot your film. Can you guys please move? And there's somebody being like, oh my god, that guy has a camera. Is he a stalker? Which is typical of people trying to get into fame they're like they're trying to extend their five seconds into, of fame into 15 seconds of fame yeah but then they meet with uh, one girl that's also in the cinema club and she's like all right if you're such good friends what's his first name what's my first name and yeah. Kay's kind of like i i don't know yeah it's all stuff i liked but also there's kind of no consequence of that i like i said i really like how like much of a bitch this girl is yeah um as, it's weird to say it that way, but it's not that she's mean. It's very much that she's mean to Kay, and it's super petty. But again, I like that in a dramatic way, in the same way I guess I like it, I guess, in Yui, uh, I liked it in a comedic way. Yeah. Well, um, even even she is like, why am I so mean to this girl? Like, yeah. I, I did really like that. 
and I guess the consequence of her admitting that she doesn't know their first names, but I still want to be friends and also don't assume that all celebrities are vapid and like just constantly talk down to people while we're in our groups. Like just don't assume that my friends are the way you expect them. Yeah. And so we have at the end the, uh, I forget the guy's name, just like, hey, he's like, you know what? We're going to change the script a little bit. I don't want to make the movie about the girl you were. I want to make a movie about the girl you are now. Yeah. And I thought that was pretty cool. It is. But again, I found it transitiony. Again, yeah. I was kind of not shocked, but like surprised at how low I put it. But I do stand by where I put yeah, it. Yeah, I got you. Uh, my number six is this Demon Slayer. Because, again, talking about emotional content, I really liked the stuff with Taijiro's dad, and this one worked a lot better for me yep. as a mid-fight figuring this out. Yep. And like I said, I like the drawing of like the way the uh, transparent world looks, and I'm excited to see how the fight resolves. Yep. So my number five was Food Wars. This was just really solid Food Wars. But yeah, my number five also food wars transitioning, but very good. I like Arena. I really liked the like back to back Soma and Saiba talking about the divine tongue. Yes, and their opinions on it and how close they are, but not the same they are. Yeah, and I did like the vulnerability of Arena being like, I know I've been all gung ho about beating this guy, but that's kind of just beating him. Like, I think deep down I secretly want him to win. Yeah, and I really like how she like can confess this to her friends. Like she's been like I said, super cold this entire yeah. time. But, like, once they, like, kind of get a chance to relax, she can go back to clearly being, like, frazzled and upset, but at least trying to come out. She doesn't have to be, like, just super cold. Yep. So my number four was Demon Slayer, because this was a super solid chapter of Demon Slayer. Like you said, the drawing of the transparent world was really cool, and I just, I like the intellectual aspect of the fight scenes where it's not about brute strength. It's like, I need to figure out how my opponent thinks and how he acts so that I can act in a way that beats him. Like it's not just about physical ability. My number four is Neolation. Cause I just really, really like this poor dead girl. Yeah. Poor dead girl. And I also really like Neo when he doesn't know how to hack and he can't just be like hacking. I solved the problem. Yeah. Oh, here's this old computer. I'm going to hacking wizard it, wizardry into a new computer. Uh, okay. Yeah. The secret to Neolation is not letting Neo do hacking wizardry. Yes. So my number three was the last Sayuki. I... Uh, spoilers, I looked at Kevin's list. We match from here on out. Yeah. This was... I really liked this start of the new kind of arc, even though, like, it's still kind of been continuing the arc. But, like, we've got, all right, here's this new kid. He's inserted himself into uh, Ryunosuke's kind of, like, area. Not necessarily a circle of friends, but he was, like, at the baseball camp. And I just really like where the story is going. And I really like that they, uh, Koharu? Koharu. I really like that she was, like, I can't be anyone's friend. I just cause trouble for people. And Ryunosuke being, well, everyone causes trouble for everyone. Like, that. Uh, he doesn't outright say it, but he's like, friends are the people that you don't mind that they cause trouble for you kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and I really like at the end, they're like, okay, here's a situation where we need your power to help someone. Yeah, and like, the, we can use it for positive yeah, reasons. The only way to save this person is to use your power. Yeah. So, and just kind of like her, I, I think she smiles at the end, right? Yeah. Yeah, she's smiling at the end like, wow, I actually get to be useful. So at number two, we have One Piece. Unless you changed it. No, no. You did some on-the-fly changing. Yeah, I did some on-the-fly changing in the middle, the top of my list. 
well, except for I shifted some stuff, but yeah. One Piece is definitely still my number two. Uh, yeah, because it's really good One Piece. We haven't had Zoro in a long time. Yes. And I do love the joke of this guy who just, whenever there's an opportunity, he sneak attacks Zoro while I mean, he's listen, trying to defend these two yeah, people. It's like, listen, that guy's an asshole. But at the same time, that is exactly how you win a fight. We're in a fight to the death. But I also love how Zoro's reaction is, read the room! Because it's like, it's kind of, I realize we're in the fight to the death, but Zoro's kind of like, I'm trying to be honorable here, and these two women are in danger, and you're still trying to stab me? Come on, bro. Yeah, I, I will get to you. Yeah. You are next in line on my duel to the death list. I just need to deal with this guy first because he's trying to murder them as opposed to you're just trying to murder me. Yeah. Yeah. So that puts Promise Neverland as number one. At the Three top weeks of the list. in a row. Mutually? Yeah, that's accurate. That's yes. not that's not the word I wanted, but it's the word I got. So Well, I mean, consecutively and we both mutually put it. I, unanimously is yes. the one I wanted. There you know, you unanimous between the two of us, but mutually is what came out. Yeah, Promise Neverland's real good. Yeah, it's been really solid. And like, I liked the resolution to this argument. I do like how stubborn both Emma and Norman are. Yes. And I do like Ray's here, too. Yeah, Ray's like, hey, I'm I'm going with <laughs> he, Emma. He's the quiet one, though, so it does fit. But yeah. I, is that's just also a really good like depiction of the quiet person in the group. He still feels like he's there, even though he's not saying anything. Yeah. And he does say a little bit, but it's like, like you said, it's not like he's not there. He's like just present. He's just like, I don't have anything else to add. So yeah, super solid Shonen Jump this week. Check it out if you've been on the fence about doing so, because almost everything was good. Yep. Which will bring us to the final series for Isekai Month. No game, no life after the break. All right, so we read No Game, No Life this week. I don't know where to start with it, honestly. Kevin, you, you like the series, right? I do like this series. Have you read um, the light novels of this one or just yes, watched the anime? I've read, I've read the light novels, watched the anime, and now read the manga. I believe it's illustrated by a husband and wife pair. Like the husband wrote the stories and the wife illustrated for the light novel or something like that. Uh, that was the feeling I got because they had at the end kind of talking about swapping between the two of them when doing the manga. Gotcha. Because it, it's the way it felt or it's the way it sounded. I'm not a hundred percent on that. So this is a very loaded question. I'm going to start with, but it is something I was curious about. Are there as many panty shots in the light novel as there are in this manga? Well, technically no, but that's just be like, there are a bunch of implied panty shots. Like, are they described? Are they written out? A little bit, yeah. Okay. Not not as many. Like there there are more in the manga because it's much easier to do a visual gag like that. But the the sense of panty shots are in the light novel. Okay. Like that's one of the big things. Not one of the big things about it, but that's one of the themes of it. Yeah. Okay. Because like something that kind of hurt my impressions of this, and there are parts where it works later on, but in the start, it really bothered me. Is if you want to look at panty shots of a, a drawing of an eleven year old girl, you're not hurting anyone. But, like, I didn't think it added to the story at all, and it just seemed kind of weird, especially when the other character is very clearly not that into it. 
Yeah, well, that's a little spoilery, but he isn't, isn't. Yeah, I, I, I get what you mean. Because I actually am pretty interested in the relationship between the two characters of Sora and Shiro. Yeah. Which is like the core of the series, so it's good that it has me hooked. And some of the like sexually charged comedy later, I think, really works. Yeah. But like early on, there's just a lot of panning shots of an 11 year old girl that are kind of without context. Yeah, but that's kind of it. It's more of a cultural thing. And it's just because I don't believe they were writing the light novel and the manga at the same time. So they like this had already existed. So they kind of backlogged people know what their relationship is a bit more like. So most of the people reading the manga will understand that kind of thing. Yeah, and you talking about it being different culturally. There's a bunch of stuff in Sailor Moon where there are a bunch of naked girls in Sailor Moon, but it's not supposed to be titillating at all. It's supposed to be about purity. Mm-hmm. And there's a degree to which these panty shots can just show these two people are so comfortable with each other that yeah. it's not really a thing. But most of them are not towards the character. They're towards the audience. And it just seemed... Gross isn't the right word, because I never like was like... It seemed excessive. That's the word I want. Yeah. Like, I can go to DeviantArt if I want this. You don't need to put it in this manga. Yeah, but at the same time, it's kind of, it's not like a DeviantArt author was given this manga, but no. that's, it's not what the whole manga is about, but that is one of the themes of it. Yeah, and there's definitely a sexuality to all of the characters, which I, I don't even mind. Later on, when it's gone into in more detail, yeah. and it's more character-driven, I really like it. But I think that is something that really detracts from some of the more the places where it's discussed more maturely later on. Yeah, like I said, I think some of it is them kind of just backlogging the the way it's going to be into the manga itself. And I'm wondering if this is another case of, because I don't know the history on these authors, if they started out drawing... Dojishin? Yeah. yeah. Well, they probably did start out technically Dojishin is just fan drawn. Well, that's true. They started out drawing Echi. Yeah. And... Trent, like, actually, the author for or the manga artist for Food Wars. Yes, and you um, can tell. You can tell. And I wouldn't uh, surprise me if the one for We Never Learned was in a similar boat. Although yeah. those drawings are not as sexy as the one in Food Wars. That's a weird thing to say, and I don't like that I said it. But yeah, but that's some of the things in Japan. Like they might have gotten their start there, and so they just kind of translated their style over into their new work. And I know specifically the guy who drew who draws Food Wars is like known to be the artist that did the other things, whereas most people have a pseudonym for when they were drawing Echi. Yeah. And so like you can't actually correlate, even though you might be able to pick up two pieces and be like, this look like the same person drew them. But you wouldn't be able to prove it. You wouldn't be able to prove it versus he's like come out and said, I was this guy. I, I published these under this name and now I'm under this name. Yeah, and the sexuality in Food Wars helps with the metaphor, where, again, here, it was detracting from it, I felt, for the most part. And it hurt later on when it, like I said, I got interested in it, and it was a much more mature discussion about these characters' sexualities. Yeah. And that, like, gave insights into their actual character, too. Yeah. And worked a lot better. As this manga got went on, I liked it a lot more. But early on, there were a lot of things that kind of, uh, mostly in the art. It, which is why I was wondering, like, in the light novel, is this something they threw on to help sell the manga, or is this 
the way it is in the original. I, I think it was more something they threw on to help sell the manga. Even in the anime, it's not as gratuitous. Although in the anime, you can get away with a lot less. So I wonder how much of that is. Is that, but yeah, I even I noticed that, like, I knew there was going to be this kind of thing. But it was just kind of like, oh, I didn't realize they were going to start with it immediately. Because in the light novel, they don't. They don't, like, immediately describe shiro's panty shots when they're talking about the characters in the room yeah it's important like we are getting to know these characters and shiro does not seem like i said we will talk about her sexuality later comes because it comes up but she does not seem very sexual at all and so it's very weird to me that the artist is sexualizing this character yeah at that point in time in particular yeah i'm there's a they're like the bath scene later it makes a lot more sense because of the context going on yeah but well, er- and she also she kind of she kind of is and isn't, so I think that's that might be a bit of what they're going for is like she's coming into her sexuality. Which and makes so sense. We're seeing it even though like she realizes what's going on, but there's a lot of complicated emotions going on in there. So I'm not gonna try and get too far into it. Cause... Yeah, which is probably why the series works, is because I am interested in exploring these two characters' relationship both internally and how they relate to others. Yep. Um it just is like the introduction of them in the manga, at least it comes off as very muddled because of a yeah, lot of that. I get you. Uh, so I, I understand where you're coming from. It doesn't bother me as much. Just that kind of stuff in general doesn't bother me as much, but I do understand where you're coming from with it. So the main characters are Sora and Shiro. They are presented as siblings. My understanding from what I know about the series, and it's even a little bit gone into here, is that they are not actually siblings. No, Shiro is adopted. Okay. But they, ha- oh, wow. That's, I thought it was the other way around. No, even less a brother sister relationship than that. I thought they were just two people who found each other and found themselves in this relationship. No, I'm, I'm pretty sure they were, I'm pretty sure, like, I'm pretty sure she's adopted. Yeah. Well, even if you find out your sister is adopted, still remember D don't fuck your sister. Well, I mean, Sora's trying really hard not to. That, that's but. that's fair. And that's another reason why I thought the panty shots came off as kind of confused. It's like, he's so clearly like, no, you're 11. Yes. Like, I, I can't. Well, and that's that's some of the comedy is he's like, you're 11. I can't do anything. But as long as Mr. Steam is here, it's totally fine. So the main characters are Sora and Shiro. They are gamers. Like, they kind of, as a group, have made this character who's known throughout the internet as blank. Yes. Because they don't use a username. Yeah, it's actually, there's a lot of cool stuff to their name being blank. So the characters, like the kanji for Sora and Shiro, combine to make blank. And so for any game, they make their character, it's two spaces, as the two of them coming together to form blank. And later on in the story, they kind of go more into them being blank. But I definitely really like the, it's kind of a Japanese thing of combining your kanji to make a new name. Yeah. But they're, like you said, they're known as Blank, and it's the two of them together, Sora and Shiro, form Blank. Yeah, like, Shiro's, like, they're both very antisocial, but in different ways. Shiro's kind of, I don't want to say uh, on the spectrum, because I think that's insensitive to people who are actually are, but she's that sort of character, yeah. where she, like, can't really understand social functioning, but her brain is like a computer. Yes. And that's a pretty tropey thing. I do actually kind of have faith, even though I've been pretty down on this, that it will do a better job of exploring that as the series goes on. Mm-hmm. But I definitely feel like they're starting focusing more on Sora because he's more relatable. Yes. And he's just like a typical otaku nerd who can't go outside. Yeah. So Sora is more of the person 
anti-social, like, as weird as it is, he doesn't like society because he knows it, as it feels like Shiro doesn't like society because she doesn't. Yeah. Is kind of the way it is. So, like, he understands people are liars and cheats and degenerates, and I don't like them, but I understand them implicitly. And he's like a jaded nihilist, and yes. she's like a, like you said, innocent. She's younger. She, like, has no concept for people. Yeah. She cannot relate to people. So, again, this is technically a little spoiler. She can't relate to people because she's so intelligent. It's one of those, I can't, I can't relate to you because the stuff that I think about is not stuff that you think about. And stuff that you think about seems pointless to me because it's usually a lot of your problems, like, I could tell you how to solve them. So it's weird to me that you would, why is this a problem for you? So she kind of shut herself off from society because no one understood her. And Sora more shut himself off from society because he didn't like it. Yeah. So, like, and that's demonstrated basically. The story really starts when they're challenged to a game of online chess. Yes. And Shira's like, I, chess is easy for me. Like, because I am super smart. And I've, like, memorized all the possible chess configurations. Yeah. Chess is a finite sum game. And they, they talk about this. Chess is a finite sum game. There are a limited number of moves. So, if you are... If you are Batman smart. Yes. They mentioned that Shiro has defeated chess programs that have defeated grandmasters because it's like if they always make the possible move, I can always win. Yeah. So, but this person is starting to beat her and like has her backed into a corner. And so Sora kind of gets up. And one thing I do like about the art since I was so down on it, they say they haven't slept in four days and that really comes out in the art. Yeah. They're very haggard. You can see bags (laughs) under their eyes. They're always like kind of half laying down. Yep. So anyway, Sora kind of gets up and he's like, oh, they're like purposely making bad moves to confuse you. Yeah. You're playing against a human. You're getting suckered by this guy who's making mistakes to think that he's making minor mistakes to make you think that he's bad at the game or it's doing something weird. And that's what that's how you're getting suckered into these things. So like, let me watch the state of the game and I'll tell you like when he is bluffing, basically. And so I actually like this. So he sits Sora on his, or he sits Shiro on his lap. And then the two of them, and this is a series, this is a trope that goes throughout the whole thing that the two of them together are blank. And so he's like, you do the chess. I'll tell you when he's putting on a feint or trying to taunt you into something. Yeah. So they beat him and he's like, oh, hey, actually, I'm the god of a different world where everything runs on games. I think you two were born in the wrong world. So I'm going to fix that for you. Yep. Because he's like, would you be interested in that? They're like, yeah, we hate this world. Because they've literally, they have been shut inside the room for four days. Like, they hate Earth. Yeah, and I guess the every one of these has a spin of, uh, we're not your typical isekai, brother. Which, like I said, to me just makes them all feel typical. But the one in this is they're immediately like, why on Earth would we want to go back to Earth? Yeah. Why on this new world would we want to go back to Earth? Yeah. Like, that is our last priority. Yeah. That's actually something that I've seen before, like, just like in Overlord, he's like, why would I, and that even happened in the manga, he's like, why would I want to go back? I didn't really have a life there. Yeah, there's no, like, refusal of the call stage. But even in Overlord, he talks about kind of like, huh, it's strange, I don't want to do that yeah. at all. Like, there's the added layer of him kind of losing himself there. Yeah. These, the disassociation angle. Yeah, these, they were specifically invited here because they're like, well, I mean, this place sucks, so yeah, we'll try somewhere else. It might suck just as much, but it can't suck any worse, probably. So this new world, which I'm sure has a name that Kevin knows. Oh, Discord. I I wrote it down even. (laughs) I was like, yeah, I was like, he he mentions it. Welcome to Discord. 
Basically, there were a bunch of gods. They all created a fantasy race, and they all went to war until all the gods but one died. Yep. And he's like, okay, I went by default. Um, uh, well, all the gods were defeated. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's of, true. Some of them are still alive. Yeah, we do find that out later. I took it as killed, but you're right. So he's like, okay, I have ten commandments here, and they're like, no war. So all conflict will be decided with games. And here's the rules I'm betting on games. Yep. They do show a list of the Ten Commandments, they do. and it's a big deal. They constantly come back. Yeah, it's the them. rules of the. It's like how combat works in this yeah. world, so it's important. But I don't know that it helps our podcast to go into them here. No, but it, it is good that they shows a list so they can be referred to. Yeah, and like when I say they constantly come back to them, like even in the latest uh, light novel that I read, one of the big things was like Sora manipulating one of the covenants. Like it's a big deal to keep coming back to the covenants. Because it's like, I'm gaming the system. This is the system. It's not infallible. Yeah, and I guess the one that I think is worth mentioning, because it's the one that comes up the most in this story, is that if you get caught cheating, you lose. Yes. Only if you get caught cheating. Yeah, that's the really big thing, is they go in and like they go to the last like human town, because humans keep losing games, so they're down to one town. Yeah, and they also want to go hang out with other humans. Yeah. Well, that, that's why there's only one town. But yeah, yes. that's why they go there. It's like, uh, we know what humans are. Yeah. They win some money at a game, and then they like just get to stay at the end. And they kind of find out that the last king just died. And so he decided that instead of his blood taking over, we find out he has a daughter. I don't know if he has any other relations, because they're not brought so. up here. Instead of her taking over, he wants to have a gambling tournament, and whoever wins will take over, like hoping that whoever wins will be good at games, and therefore... able to yeah be a better king like stop humanity from becoming extinct yes and so like they look and they like see the princess and they're like ah she's being cheated against and like i guess they win their money by cheating yeah but and and he's like yeah it's only not allowed if i get caught yep you have to prove they have to prove i'm cheating for it to work and he like looks at the princess like hey your opponent's cheating and then goes up to his room yep and she comes up after she's lost and is incensed because she's like you didn't tell me how they were cheating so i couldn't win and he's like, well, if you couldn't figure it out, that's kind of your problem. Yeah. He was like, I telling you she's cheating was enough of a hint. Or yeah. like should have been enough of a hint if you were a good player. But she kind of demands that they tell her how. And he's like, well, it won't help you now. Yep. But like, if you want to win it from me in a game, like here, we'll play rock, paper, scissors. And I can only win if I use paper. Yep. If I use anything else and win, we draw. Yep. And if I win, you have to do whatever I say. If you win, I'll do whatever you say. And if we draw, I want a favor. She's like, so you want a place to stay? And he smiles at her. Yep. Which I guess is important. It, it comes off as more subtle when you're actually reading it. But I guess it, when I say it out loud, yeah, because it's pretty you, obvious what's going to happen. Because you have to explain it. Yeah. But when you're reading it, it comes off as super subtle. Like it's not something you notice. It's something you notice when the reveal happens. You're like, oh, yeah, he didn't actually say yes. So they draw, like, it goes through her mind, like, process of what she's going to do. Yep. And, like, he then explains what she did, and she realized she was played the entire time. Yeah, he, Sora is the master of manipulation. Like, that. that's his thing, is he's good at manipulating. And he's good at opponents. social games. You don't want to yep. play diplomacy or werewolf against him. Yes. He will crush you every time. So he's like, yeah, my favor is, I want you to fall in love with me. Yes. And there's, like I said, some stuff about how he's never had a girlfriend. Yep. He constantly, he almost leads off with, hi, I'm Sora, virgin. Yeah. I mean, I, the way it was in the manga, that read to more to me as like a title, like the narrator commenting, but. He he literally says it. Gotcha. 
So he's like, yeah, no, I can have a girlfriend. And uh, Shiro's kind of like, you know, you should have like made her be yours. Yep. Because that would have gotten everything you wanted. Like, she's in love with you, but she can still say like no to your requests. He's like, oh no, I made a mistake. I can't believe it. I, I fell prey to my lust for yeah. having a girl or for getting a girl. And I think that's one of the reasons the series works for me so well is like they are shown to be like godlike in their abilities, but also the first story takes a lot of time to note their weaknesses as well yep and so we find out that like that request like is magically binding which i wasn't sure if it would be even they weren't sure if it would yeah. be he was like oh, oh no i don't know if that's actually magically binding or not yeah but i mean it's a good he's test, also I guess. yeah well and he's also using it to kind of figure out how the magically binding contracts works because he's like so it says the rules are enforced but it's like is it if i tell her to fall in love with me will she just fall in love with me is is it like is it that powerful yeah and it is and Cher's like you should have said like be mine and she'd have to do whatever you say like what are you not in the non-con yep which is again where the like sexuality stuff starts to work better for me yeah because again it's talking more about their personalities and like i said it is revealing about both of them that she when they actually work it that way yeah and the the joke is she's like yeah brother isn't into non-con because he keeps his porn games in a box and we both live in the same room. <laughs> yeah like i've seen them all <laughs> yeah and so when she mentions she's like wouldn't you stephanie is like who's the princess i don't know if we ever mentioned her name is like wouldn't you go somewhere else to deal with that and basically right after that i think at this point sora's groping her and yeah then... like here's the thing here it gets really muddly what's going on and i think that's a matter of adaptation a little bit yeah because like from here i was like is and like shiro is filming it i think yes and i'm not that's sure why shiro is taking pictures because they're weird yeah like and it like again it just here's where like the sequence of events i'm really not sure what's going on so and Sora, starts, just... Sora starts groping her stephanie pushes him off of her because even though she's like they have that Stephovision thing where she's kind of feels like she's being magically compelled to fall in love with Sora. She still has her own free will and is like, no, we're not doing this. So she throws him off of her and he gets sent out the door of the room and like the door then slams shut. And then we get the reveal that Sora and Shiro literally cannot be a, like more than a few feet apart before they break down entirely. Yeah, which again is a, I mean, it's super anime and it's bullshit, but it is like something I really like as a metaphor. It does come off really weird because that whole sequence, it was super hard for me to tell what was going on. Yeah, I knew that he got kicked out of the room and that's what happened. So that helped that part a little bit. And like, I also read it more as like, Steph was like, not, no, we're not doing this, but no, we're not doing this in front of this 11 year old. That was kind of the thing as well. Like she was like, cause she still kind of feels like she's supposed to be in love with him under the covenants so she's like what we're not doing this in front of your sister yeah so it just comes off as super weird to me yeah even though again this is like some sexuality stuff that i like being explored more especially because she was like hey you said i was the only one you needed he's like yeah but you're 11 and i am 18 yeah the police will cart <laughs> me away and she's like yeah i don't care and he's like yeah but i do you're 11 yep. uh, despite being an antisocial like degenerate i do have limits and they're you're 11 yes and so when they get separated, Sora starts, and both of them basically, they like curl the up into a position. Ball, yeah. And start like just mumbling. Like Sora's constantly apologizing about like everything that he's done when normally he's been very brash and kind of like, I'm here to take whatever I want. And now he's just like crying in a puddle. 
And Shiro is just kind of like, where's brother? Where's brother? And like just repeating that over and over again while also just curled up in the fetal position. Yeah. And then the, I don't want to say the series abruptly ends. There's too much chapters, but I don't know what we have to get in by going into them because it's mostly them like going to Steph's house and going to the library. Yeah. There's this interesting thing where even though they speak the same language, it's written differently. Yes. But Shiro can memorize it in like an hour. Yeah. And Sora's like, it'll take me a couple of days, but I'll get it eventually. Yeah. And he says it like, he's like, I'll get it in like the next couple of days. It'll be fine. And Sora mentions that they're not learning the language. They're deciphering it. And Shiro's kind of poking fun at Sora for not being able to do it. He's like, well, sorry, I'm not the little girl who learned 18 languages by the time she was six. Yeah. And I do like that Steph's, they're like, hey, we're from another world, Steph. I guess now that you're our love slave, we have to explain this to you. Yeah, they're like, that's probably a shock to you. She's like, no, I mean, magic is real. And so we get some more. A lot of this is kind of like exposition about the world. So she talks about there are 16 races called the Exceeds. There are 16 intelligent races. Yes. Well, that. So they're the ones who the covenant applies to. So like cows and stuff like that, it does not apply to. You do not have to play a game with a cow to get a hamburger. Yes. Uh, Because even Sora has that. He was like, oh, well, that's good. Um, And so they go more into the ranking system. They don't quite spell out everything. So the top at the top is the old Deus, which are the gods that survived the war, but were still defeated. Then there's the Phantasma. And then she says there's also the elves. And the werewolves. You know, all your fantasy races. Yeah. Dragons get mentioned. Oh, yeah. Dragons are in there. Giants. And eventually we get a full list of them. But she doesn't quite go through the whole list. But she's like, humanity or immanity is down at the bottom because we have the ranking list is by magical aptitude. And humans literally have zero. We can't even see magic, much less do it. Like the werewolves can't do magic either, but they can sense it. Because they have yeah, they have senses. Yeah, they have superhuman senses, and they have um, superior physical abilities. Yeah, and like the even elves compared to some of the other races, and like the ranking is not necessarily a like rank of how well they're doing currently, because the elves have the largest empire. Yeah, but they're kind of middle ranked. Yeah, and they mentioned that she even says, uh, "Oh, so the old Deus are the best at magic," and she's like, "Well, no, the old Deus are made of magic." If you want to talk about manipulating it, it's probably the elves. They're probably the best at doing magic. Yeah. Which was kind of a cool thing to say of like, yeah, the old deus might be super powerful, but they're not the best at magic. They're just literally made of magic. And that's pretty much where the first volume ends. Pretty much. I mean, and as far as things go, it's kind of whiplashy. And I think that's just a matter of adaptation. A little bit. Because obviously, I assume the first light novel, this is like chapter two or three. Yeah, we get we get more into so this isn't going to be much of a spoiler because I'm assuming you could guess this, but Sora and Shiro get into the gambling yeah. contest to, to become, become king. king. And I think we end with the results of that for the first light novel. Yeah. I so, assume which there would a, be a beginning, middle, and end as opposed to a beginning. Yeah, and I guess there's a bit of the middle here, but I didn't think this was horrible pacing. Like it's certainly my favorite of the isekai we read. I yeah. There were definitely some problems, though, mostly with that muddled art, which yeah. really made it hard to Oh, and I guess we forgot to talk on. about the... There was also the bathroom scene. Forgot? I mean, <laughs> I'm assuming you skipped it, but I want... Like, again, that's some of the stuff where I was talking about the sexuality, like, being more character-driven and stuff. But again, the art's so muddled, and it gets cut to so strangely from outside of that. Yeah. That, like, uh, it just... Again, I think it's an adaptation problem rather than a 
yeah. story, actual story problem. Yeah. But the only reason I wanted to bring it up is because like I talked about Mr. Steam. Yeah, and yeah. Some of the other stuff. So that's just there's. But there's and a that seems scene weirdly meta because he's talking about well, yeah, yeah. As long as Steam is there, it'll be allowed on TV. There's a lot of that meta jokes about no R18 content is allowed because Shiro is only 11. Gotcha. And like, and it so like they constantly... too meta in the manga. Like he might be talking to the audience. He does talk way... to the audience. Gotcha. Huh. So that is him breaking the fourth wall about the R18 content, which is another thing that makes me think that these guys might have drawn Echi to start with, or at least had some history in it, that they might even be kind of tongue-in-cheek referencing, like, no, we're not going to be doing it here, but you can clearly see the references. Yeah, like I said, it was my favorite of what we read, and I am interested in continuing to read it, although the anime has been on my to-watch list for a while. And I think I would rather watch that instead of continuing to read this because there were some adaptation problems that an anime might solve. I definitely would. The anime is super solid. And unfortunately, the anime hasn't gotten picked up again. They had a movie, right? I think so. So they might just be more going that route. Maybe. But I I don't know that any, any more anime adaptations is being done with it, even though it seemed fairly popular at the time. It's one of the things that people cite when they say Madhouse doesn't make season yep. twos. Gotcha. Because No Game, No Life is one that does it doesn't have a season two. And it's kind of unfortunate because it was like, I really enjoyed this. And that was another thing that made me, I was like, all right, I'm going to get the light novel of No Game, No Life because I'm super interested in this story and want to see where it goes. And it looks like the anime isn't going to be continuing. Yeah. So, like I said, more interested than the others, but I don't know that I can actually recommend this manga. If it sounded interesting, maybe the anime. I think Kevin gave it a pretty good recommendation. Yeah, the anime. So that really might good. be the better way to go. Yeah, um, and it was all on Crunchyroll a month ago. So yeah, I assume it's still there. Be. One thing I do want to mention is I do actually really like the art in this manga. I think it's very well drawn. A lot of the stuff is hyper detailed, even though some of the, like you said, that one specific series of events seeming a little muddled. Like I praise some parts of it because I think there are some good parts. Again, I really like how tired they constantly look. Yeah. But, like, the most important thing about drawing a, a comic is sequence of events and clarity. And yeah. it's got problems with that. It has a few, but I feel like other times it works great. So, I do like the way the author draws. But it's probably more of a... I used to illustrate, p- like, single pictures or single scenes. And so, stringing them together isn't quite their forte. Because this also, they mentioned... I think they they do mention at the back that the person drawing the manga is the one who was doing the illustrations for the light novel. And she just kind of like, well, Hey, you're already doing the illustrations for the light novel. Want to just do the manga adaptation. And so there's a bit, there could be a bit of, this is the first time I've actually really drawn a manga. So like you can see their skill in making single panels look really good, but maybe not necessarily the whole manga looking good. Which is again, a reason why I think the manga is not the way to go. If you want to. Yeah, true. I just wanted to, I did want to praise, the actual artwork maybe not necessarily the manga work as weird as that sounds but like eat a lot of individual panels look really nice and so i mean you can just check out the illustrations for the light novel or i'm sure they've posted other illustrations and the anime is also really well done all right so i think that's all we have to say about uh no game no life i was gonna say we never learn it's definitely not that no that's all we have to say about no game, no life, other than putting someone on personality power level. Yep. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level?
Personality Power Level is the segment where we rank manga characters from best to worst. At the top, we have Izuki Midoriya, the best boy. At the bottom, we have that guy who isn't Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. Yep. And in the middle, we have uh, regular Son Goku. Huh. So, I think we should do Sora. It's really Fair. hard with this because Sora and Shiro act so much like a unit, and that's clearly the point. Yes. So. Literally, at one point, they basically declare themselves as a single person. Like, you cannot challenge one of us to anything. We are blank. We are always a team. And, like, that becomes a huge deal. Like, you can't challenge Shiro to do something or Sora to do something. You challenge blank to do something. But I'm totally fine with ranking Sora because Shiro, that hasn't been established much yet in the manga that we did. And yeah, if we do read more of this, it might be worth ranking blank as a third separate character. Yeah. Because they actually do function differently when they have, like, merged, essentially merged to form blank. Like, they even kind of, they don't have a transformation sequence or anything. But they definitely have that thing of, like, let's put our game face on. And that's when they become blank. And Sora, I think, is the easier character to rank. He's less tropey than Shiro. He's so also I feel more like... explored in, the, in yeah. these early chapters. That was the other thing I was going to bring up. Yep. Uh, so I definitely like him more than I like any of the other isekai protagonists yep. we've uh, done so far. Momonga's at the top. Yep. I don't know I, I like him as much as Yu-Gi-Oh! from We Never Learned, though. I kind of do, but... Like, if you want to make an argument for him, you're definitely more versed in the character. Uh, I've only had this one interaction with him. And, like, this is something I'd consider revisiting, and we could move him at that point, too. But also, it might be something we never get around to, because, like I said, the manga is not the way to go with this. Yeah, it's it's unfortunately the worst of the two adaptations. But, like you said, I think this is the best Isekai adaptation that we have read of the four. It just so happens that if you're... If you don't want to read the light novel, the anime is the way to go. I I could see early Sora, because we, we haven't gotten a whole lot of him in this early chapter. So I could see early Sora being below Yu-Gi-Oh. Like, He's again, a worse person, which doesn't make him a worse character. But yeah, Well, they're, later on they go a lot more into his backstory, and you kind of start building a lot more sympathy for why he acts the way he acts. And certainly I can see that. I can see him, like I said, being a character who moves up. But yeah. I mean, but if you want to argue that he goes above Yukia now, we can. I'm willing to hear that argument. It's our list, not my list. No, that's fine. It's just, it'd be hard to, without spoiling too much stuff for you, and you said you are kind of, this is on your yeah, watch list. Yeah, I am list, interested in this. So I don't want to be like, oh yeah, all this stuff that, like, would be a good reveal. Let me just explain it, and this is why he should be up there. So I'm, like I said, I'm fine with having him be below Yukia because I do also like Yukia. So right below Yu-Gi-Oh, we have Shinichi from Parasite, and I think he's more interesting than Shinichi anyway. And also, yeah. you've argued for him to be higher, so I don't think he should get too much lower. So I'm fine putting him right below Yu-Gi-Oh. I'm totally fine with that as well. I'm, and I wasn't trying to say that he should be way higher than Yu-Gi-Oh either, because he is kind of that despicable character. Like but he, so is Han Solo, and Han yes. Solo would fare very well on this list. Yeah, but that that's another thing where it's like he's kind of the lovable rogue. There's a bit more to hate about Shiro as himself. If we do ever jump back to this, I think ranking blank will be more interesting. Do they have a last name so we can distinguish them from when I eventually make you read the Kingdom Hearts manga? Or I... are we just going to have to put the name of the series by them like we always do? We might have to put the name of the series by them. I do not know that they... I mean, I obviously have a last name, but I don't know that they ever say it. That's one of the things they've cut ties with their family. It's just the two of them. Gotcha. So they gave up their family name. 
So Pretty Sora sure. goes at number 17 above Shinichi and below Yu-Gi-Oh! Narayuki. All right. So next month is April, and we were struggling to find a theme for it. And then I realized we should have done sports in March for March Madness. Yep. And so, then is a guy in April, but oh well. Oh well. So uh, next month we're doing I Can't Believe We Missed March Madness April. And we're going to start with a basketball manga because it's the most appropriate. Yeah, Slam, to rub it in. Slam Dunk, which I've heard good things about. So I'm not a big sports manga guy. Yeah, we'll see but, how this goes. I'm not a big sports manga guy either. But I've heard by, very good things about Slam Dunk. So. Yeah, as evidenced by our feelings with Haikyuu, it's like, okay, it's volleyball. Yeah. I'm willing to give it a shot. All right. So we will see you guys next week. In the meantime... Our website is www.labspodcast.com. That's where you can see the personality power level list, as well as join our Discord if you'd like to talk to us. You can also find my other two podcasts there, Last Time on Video Games and It's a Gundam. If you like the show, please tell a friend or give us a rating on review on wherever you find us. Five stars really helps us out. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. And other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. Our album art is by Kate Wind on DeviantArt. Is there anything you'd like to plug this week, Kevin? Not this week. All right. We'll see you next week. 